Welcome to Neurodiversity University. This is Dr. Brandon Park and Marissa Davis. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about the concept of nonverbal learning disorders and its polar opposite. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit more. What is nonverbal learning disorders? Nonverbal learning disorders, it's when we find a student or a person and they have really strong language abilities, but they have some weaknesses in other areas. And so we start to see they tend to try to talk their way out of things. They get kind of really rigid around things. They have some struggles with organization. We tend to some often see that they're more clumsy. So they also have some impediments in their coordination. So... So we've talked about this a few times, and this was something that I had a really hard time kind of understanding because the name, nonverbal learning disorder, it's kind of it's confusing, super confusing, right? Because based off of what you just said. So oh, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I always have to explain this to parents, and so I just stopped using the term. Everyone uses that, and that's kind of, so I have to kind of t- start with that. But for me, I just like calling it verbal overdominance. In other words, your verbal abilities are so much stronger than your other abilities, and they start to push other abilities down. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, so let's talk about what this looks like in everyday real life. Like what would be the struggles that you would see most common? Okay, I think first we have to kind of set back a little bit. You know, verbal abilities are tied to three things. Language, logic, and linear thinking. And so this is what lawyers use. Lawyers tend to be really strong verbally. And so they can talk very logically. They have this linear thing. They get to an end point. It's good for you know winning in an argument. So these verbal abilities are really strong. They help us to work on these linear pathways so we get to a goal. But we have other abilities in our brain. And so verbal abilities is something important, but there's also other different abilities. If your verbal abilities is over-dominating and pushing everything else down, then you start to lose some of your other abilities or they're not, they're not used as well. So, you know, an example of this would be kids who struggle with this. A lot of times, especially when they're getting emotional, because our emotions make things worse, they'll get really tunnel vision because remember that language, logic, and linear thinking. So it's super linear, but they stop seeing different perspectives. They stop seeing, you know, other sides of arguments and stuff like that because they're so linear and they get this tunnel vision and they get stuck on one topic and they're using logic, but because they can't see different perspectives, it seems really illogical, even though they're using logic in their argument. And it can be really frustrating as a parent or a sibling or a teacher when you're trying to explain something to somebody and they won't get off that one topic and they, and they just keep talking right through you. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So is this like a diagnosable disorder, maybe something that you would find in like the DSM five or something like that? No, it has not been a recognized diagnostic diagnosable disorder by the ICD 10, which is kind of the, the large medical diagnostic things we use for everything from broken legs to, yeah, and medical stuff, or the DSM-5, which is kind of the psychiatric diagnoses. When the newest DSM-5 came out, a lot of people were hoping it'd make it in there. What did make it in there was something kind of similar. So there's a thing called social pragmatic disorder, and it captures some of these things with NLD, but doesn't capture everything. So a lot of clinicians were frustrated with it. So social pragmatics, pragmatics is kind of like the practical social understanding of nuances and things that are happening. And so when you've got these social pragmatic deficits, you're missing nuances, you're missing kind of key understanding. Sometimes the way you express yourself is off and it's not quite right. 
And this is true of NLD. NLD has these struggles, but they also have other struggles related to executive functioning, related to clumsiness, related to this highly linear thinking. And so just saying that they, they miss the social pragmatics, it gets it, but it doesn't fully get it. So what you know, cl some clinicians do is they'll use social pragmatic disorder, and then they'll also talk about the other deficits. Some try to use an other specified neurodevelopmental disorder. So you know, a lot of uh, psychologists that are doing the diagnosing, they try to find some way around it to kind of get at the core deficits that these people have. So with nonverbal learning disorder, what would you say would be like the common misdiagnosis there? And again, I'd like to use the term verbal overdominance. I think that really is helpful for people. If you're familiar with NLD and you're ever trying to explain it to a parent that has no idea what this is, using verbal overdominance makes so much sense really quickly. So a lot of times we'll see a diagnosis of autism because autism has the rigid thinking, they miss executive functions that struggles, they miss a lot of social cues. However, it's not always true. You can have an, this verbal overdominance or this NLD profile, but not have a lot of other key elements like the repetitive behaviors or, you know, getting, you know, hyper-focused on things. You may not have, you know, the sensory sensitivity and some of the other common things is, is more consistent with autism. Now, to me, I, I still consider them all neurodiversity. So I think they're connected, but you can definitely be verbally overdominant, but not be on the autism spectrum. However, it's also important to notice that within the autism spectrum, you actually see a big differentiation where they are, while they're still on the autism spectrum, they're verbally overdominant or they're visually overdominant. So this still actually applies even when you're talking about autism, because the way the brain develops when autism is, is happening, a lot of times there's a break one way or the other with one side being more dominant. Okay, so we promised everybody that we were going to talk about this nonverbal learning disorder or the verbal overdominance, as you're saying, but then we said we were also going to talk about the opposite. Mm -hmm. So what is the opposite of this verbal overdominance? Okay, and so important thing to understand is we've been talking about NLD for 20, 25 years, maybe 30 years, depending on you know how you look at it, but at least for a good 20, 25 years we've been talking about it. And the way our brain is set up is we've got two... You know, there's all these different types of systems of intelligence that run throughout our brain. But there's two really strong systems. One is the verbal abilities, which again is the language, logic, and linear thinking. But the other one is the visual abilities. And it's not just what you see, it's what you see, it's what you perceive. You know, it's your understanding of the world, how you kind of see things connect and come together. This ability to understand how things come together, that's why we, when we look at the clouds, we can sometimes see like, rockets and cars shapes and shapes in it because our brain starts to kind of see things and start to make connections. You know, being able to see a car accident that's about to happen, our visual abilities is seeing all these different things and how they're connecting and what could potentially happen. You know, maybe our car accident doesn't happen, but you could see the potential of it happening. But this also comes out in social, you know, social ramifications. As I'm talking to you, I'm watching your body language. I'm thinking about things that I know about you. And I'm thinking of all these different connections so that I say things that are meaningful to you. And I'm trying to understand what you're saying back to me so that we have this reciprocal conversation. So this ability to see different perspectives, to understand how things connect, these are tied into the visual abilities. And so you need this abilities just like you need your linear logical abilities. And those two systems when everything's great, they run together and they work together hand in hand. 
So instead of calling, you know, the verbal overdominance like the nonverbal learning disorder, this would be more of a visual overdominance. Yeah, this is visual overdominance. So suddenly the verbal abilities are much weaker than the visual abilities. And I've done a full like hour-long presentations on this where we've got slides and stuff like that. We won't have, we obviously can't do this on a podcast, but it's really important to understand that when there is a strong dominance, whether we're talking about verbal or visual, what happens is that overdominance means it takes over a lot of times, especially when there's strong emotions going on. And whenever we feel threatened, stressed out, or overwhelmed in life, we want to feel safe, strong, and secure. We want to go to the place where we feel safest and strongest, where we can fight or hide or whatever we need to do. We do the same thing in our brain. So if you're verbally overdominant, when you get emotional, you become more verbally overdominant. When you're visually overdominant, and you feel emotional, become more visually overdominant and more disconnected from your other parts of your intelligence. So the high stress, high frustration, anger, sadness makes this deficit more pronounced. Does that make sense? For sure. For sure. So my next question is going to be common struggles that you're going to see with kids like this or, or people like this. I think you kind of covered a little bit, but what else would you say that you see with these people? Yeah, so it's interesting. So with the verbal overdominance, they have visual executive function deficits. What you see in visually overdominant is they have the logical executive function deficit. So some of the things that logically help them to organize their world are missing, verbally related things. We see them struggling to stay connected to people. So one of the things we'll see is they're good at making superficial friendships but they can't have deep, meaningful relationships because they struggle to stay linear. When you're talking to them, they're super tangential. And there's other disorders like ADHD and things like that that can make someone tangential. doesn't mean you're visually overdominant, but like you see that a lot. They're very tangential. You know, they can really struggle to get their language out. And it's interesting too, that like when you have these kids in therapy groups, you'll call on them during what's supposed to be this emotional conversation and sometimes they can't get their words out, so they'll be really quiet and frustrated, or they're kind of tangential and flippant, so it seems like they don't really care about what you're talking about. You know, they're missing the point. And it's because the more emotional they get, the harder it is for them to stay linear. So with a, a person that has that verbal learning disorder, or the visual overdominance, to kind of help them out, like I, I've heard you talking about, you know, maybe preparing them before you get the, to the group mm-hmm. or, you know, giving them some cues that this is what's coming up so they have time to kind of formulate their thoughts around it so mm-hmm. that they're prepared and not so on the spot. And so, yeah. Okay. So what, you know, I heard you kind of mention it, but what would be some of the common misdiagnosis that you would see with this verbal learning disorder piece? So, yeah, these visual overdominant kids... They often get diagnosed with ADHD, which is sometimes true. You could have both. You can have them both. But sometimes it's actually not a true ADHD. It's that they're more stuck in their visual brain. And you know, a lot of times when you give them a stimulant, you know, a typical ADHD medication doesn't seem to really solve the problem. It might improve things a little bit, but not a lot. So it tells you there's something structurally different about what's going on with their attention. They get diagnosed with oppositional client disorder quite a bit. Because if you think about it, when you get really emotional and people are asking you to explain what's going on and it's hard for you to get your words out because you're thinking in your visual brain, then suddenly they're frustrated, they're refusing to talk, they're slamming doors, they're stomping their feet, they're trying to get away because they can't get their words out. And so oppositional defiant disorder is really common. Another thing that's really sad is most of these kids one of the big things they'll always say about themselves is they feel stupid. 
because they can't explain themselves when they need to. And a lot of times they're not, but they feel really stupid. So what are some other ways that we can help somebody that might have this visual overdominance? First off, identifying it. If you understand how the brain works, there should be an equal, and this is a new thing, and not a lot of people have talked about this as a, as a you know a diagnostic category or a clinical category to kind of think about. As many NLD people as there are out there, there should be a pretty close to an equal amount of kids that are you know visually overdominant. So we need to start looking for it. I noticed that when I talk to a lot of clinicians, they're looking for the verbal elevations above the visual. We need to look for also the visual elevations above the verbal. We need to be looking for this profile, looking for this kid that can be kind of like the puppy dog. They run up to the group of kids and they're all excited to talk, but they don't know what to talk about. You know, they're all, hey guys, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? But they can't really talk about anything other than like being excited to be in the group, you know? So yeah, these are those kids. So. Interesting. And so I assume that this is also something that probably wouldn't be diagnosable or found in the DSM. No, not at all. So a lot of times what I would do is I use... Since there's not even like a, a close diagnosis like social pragmatic, what I tend to do is just use other specified neurodevelopmental disorder. And again, you can actually, within people that are on the autism spectrum where it's a true autism diagnosis, sometimes they are strongly visually overdominant. So it's still important to understand both autism and this visual overdominance as you're working with them to, to kind of navigate what they need and work on. Awesome. Well, thank you for, you're welcome. for all that information. Is there anything else that you want to add? or oh, You're a spiffy human being. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> all right, thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Marissa Davis. And Dr. Brandon Park. And remember, if you have any questions or have any topics that you'd like to see us cover on this podcast, please reach out to me at Marissa. M-A-R-I-S-A at newfocusacademy.com. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great day.